Greetings family, welcome to Christ Encounter Ministries. My name is Pastor Carl and I am so glad that you have tuned in today to listen to this Word of God or maybe you are listening or watching the recording. You are so very, very welcome. Family, before we start, I just want to, I want you to imagine, imagine me standing in front of you right now and stretching out my hands to you, towards you, and gently placing them on your shoulders and giving you a really, really good shake. Family, please like these videos. Just go and push the thumbs up, like the videos, put in a comment, family. Even if you don't like the message, just say, hey, Pastor Carl, that wasn't all that good or whatever. I'm not doing this for popularity, family. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not bothered about all of that. I'm bothered about the Word of God. And the more likes that these videos have, the more comments that they have, and it doesn't have to be live chat, it can be later, the more coverage that it gets out on YouTube. So every time you like the video, every time you put a comment, you don't have to do anything fancy, just some emojis even, whatever. And, uh, and every time you share it, you know, that forces the YouTube algorithm to promote these videos. We've got to get the word out, family. It's just so important. Another really cool way is to push share on the uh, YouTube video, then go onto your WhatsApp uh, and share it on your status. Then all those snoopy people that always want to see what you're up to, and even some of your enemies, you can give them the word of God. Amen. And we can work together and share the gospel. It, it really confounds me that hundreds of people watch these videos, watch this stuff, and we only get like four comments. Really? Is it that bad? Maybe like four likes? Come on, family. Do your bit to share the, uh, uh, the gospel. Jesus is counting on us in this time, and um, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing that change. And family, don't just do it now. Do it every time. See it as duty, family, so that we can get the word out. Amen. Praise Jesus. Family, so we have learned some really incredible revelations in this series titled The Most Important Message of Your Life. And it's been absolutely life-changing for me personally. And I can honestly say that this message was for me one of the most important messages of my life and definitely a message that we need to keep afresh in our minds and in our hearts. Family, after receiving the incredibly important revelations of this subject and understanding just how critical it is to constantly abide in love, which means remaining in love all the time and especially to the unlovable, my wife came to me and she said to me with absolute earnestly, she said, she doesn't call me Pastor Carl. Okay, so she said, babe, <laughs> how do we do this? Explain to me, how do I do this? How do I love, you know? And this is a very good question and one which, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to answer today 
as we conclude this series in part four. And if you haven't seen part one, two, three, you've got to watch it. It's very, very important. Okay, family, bear with me and track with me as I build a foundation. Now, after the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, when sin first entered into mankind, and this was through the deception of Satan and the compliance or agreement of Adam and Eve, who were up until that point holy. They were holy, they were pure, they were sinless, and they were adjoined or joined to God. But because of this sin, there was a separation between mankind and God. Why? Because God could not be joined to sin. So there was a fracture in the spiritual relationship between man and God. And Adam and Eve spiritually died and they fell from being primarily spiritually dominated beings living in a body to carnal or naturally dominated beings with a spirit. And we can see this, there's many scriptures, but we can see this that straight after the fall, when Adam and Eve immediately recognized their flesh or carnal state, they went from spirit to flesh, to carnality, and they were being dominated by their carnality or flesh. And we look at our first scripture of the day, Genesis 2, uh, sorry, 3 verse 7 in the New Living Translation. <clears throat> at that moment, when they spiritually died and sinned, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame. They went from, from spiritual to carnality and they started to feel shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, when Adam and Eve done this by sinning, which, by the way, was not God's doing, he's not a puppet master, it was not God's will, but it was the free will choice of Adam and Eve. And we see this in Genesis 2 verse 16 in the NIV. You are free. What is that? Free will to eat from any tree in the garden. But they chose to freely disobey God's commandments. We see that in Genesis 2 verse 17. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So they disobeyed God and they died a spiritual death, not a natural death. And once pure mankind and the world, which was also pure, became infected and corrupted by this sin through sin. You with me? Romans 5 verse 12 in the New Living Translation. When Adam sinned, Prior to that, everything was fine. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death and everything that we see around us, all of the destruction, 
all of the evil that was not in the Garden of Eden, that spread to everyone. So this sin is like a disease, but not like any disease, but rather it is like a genetic disease that is handed down to our children, like many generational uh, or hereditary diseases. This is a generational disease through sin, what is known as a generational curse infecting all of mankind, which originated from Adam and Eve. Now, because sin was justifiably and rightfully judged to be punished, sin was already, um, there was a verdict by the courts of heaven that sin was wrong and sin had to be punished. So when mankind became infected with this sin, by the deceit of Satan, mankind by default fell under the judgment of sin and thereby was immediately judged along with sin and destined to the same destination of the father of sin who is Satan and on their way to hell which was unavoidable. So essentially, God did not put man on this earth to be tested and to be judged. And if we were good, we get a pass to heaven. Or if we were bad, we go to hell. No, family. It confuses me that so many people would believe this nonsense. Family, God put man on this earth to be his family and to live in a perfect Eden in a wonderful and blessed life with God forever. We were never meant to die. But mankind chose to disobey God and chose sin in the place of God and chose the destination of hell. And mankind still does that today with great prevalence, I might add. Heaven or hell, blessings or curses, Life or death is ultimately the free will choice of mankind. Just as it was right in the beginning with Adam and Eve, God has not changed his mind. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 in the New Living Translation. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make, nothing to do with God. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Now, because the first Adam committed this original sin that brought about the destruction of mankind, bringing spiritual death, God sent a second or a last Adam for a fresh new start for mankind as Jesus Christ, bringing new life to our spirits. Let's read in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 45 in the New Living Translation. The first man, Adam, became a living person 
But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. And just as through the one act of sin by Adam, who infected all of mankind with sin and death, this one act of Jesus Christ coming on behalf of man and paying the penalty for all of, man's, all of mankind's sin by, get this, literally absorbing all of man's sin into himself and taking that full punishment on himself, the judgment for mankind's sin was fulfilled. And the payment or the penalty, or you can say the fine that was needed to be paid for man's sin to be legally set free, was fulfilled and paid in full through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 18 in the New Living Translation says this. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life. Family, this is why the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ was the only one who as a man reconciled mankind with God and satisfied the judgment of mankind. John 14 verse 6 in the New Living Translation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way. No one can come to the Father except through Christ. So we can only get to God or to heaven through Jesus Christ who reconciled with God. There is simply no other way. There is nothing we could ever do to earn our way to heaven. It is simply impossible. But when we go through Jesus Christ, we qualify for heaven, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. And in order to go through Jesus Christ, we must be born again, spiritually. Like Jesus said in John 3, that we will go over at the end of this message and give you the opportunity to be born again, if you're not. Now, when we are born again spiritually, and what was lost by Adam and, uh, and Eve when they died spiritually is restored in us. We become brand new spiritually. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 in the NRV. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, born again, has become, listen to this, a new person, new. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Got to check with me now. So, when we get born again, we are made completely right with God. We don't have to do anything to earn it. It's a gift 
from God to bring us back to perfect fellowship and spiritual union with Him through the Spirit of Jesus Christ in us. And now, because we are in Christ, we qualify for everything that belongs to Christ. Why? Because we are united with Christ. And every blessing is already made available to us in the spiritual realm. We cannot earn it. We cannot deserve it. Every blessing is already made available to us in the spiritual realm. Ephesians 1 verse 3 in the New Living Translation. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Why? Because we are united with Christ. Now, for many people, that might be a difficult thing to grasp, that all our blessings are spiritual and in the heavenlies, right? But not if you consider that everything in the natural is first conceived in the spiritual realm or the heavenlies. It is where God, who is a spirit, resides. And it was from where everything was created. The origin of the natural, the seeing world, is the supernatural, the invisible world. The invisible created the visible. And all our blessings come to us from the same spiritual source. And we access it only through faith. Hebrews 11 verse 3 in the New Living Translation. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see, this natural world, did not come from anything that, we ca uh, that can be seen. So everything you need to live this love-filled life has already been made available to you and I as children of God. And we have the full capacity to live godly lives to be obedient to the Holy Scriptures and to forgive and love our enemies. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 in the Amplified. For His divine power has bestowed on us already absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness. So we already have the ability to live holy because the Holy One lives in us. And we really have no excuses to live sinful lives. Romans 5 verse 5 in the New Living Translation. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. So, the capacity to love is already in us. 
which was made available to us because we are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we also have access to divine health, right? We have access to divine prosperity, right? We have access to every spiritual blessing in Christ. But does it come automatically? No, family, it doesn't. Everything we get from God is only through the vehicle of faith. There is no other way. So in order to love our neighbor and to love our enemies, we need to apply faith. Just like we would apply faith for healing in our bodies. Just like we would apply faith for protection or provision or anything else that we would trust in God for. It's not automatic. It is made available to us. Everything we will ever need, but we need to procure it all by faith. Now, family, listen carefully to me now, because this is an area where many good Christians get it horribly wrong. Because they say that because we are born again, everything becomes new, we can't have demons, which is absolutely incorrect. Because to say that we automatically can't have demons should also mean that automatically we should not sin, right? Because sin comes from the devil. What has light got to do with darkness? That's what they say. It's, it's a wrong doctrine. Or we should automatically be healed, right? Or automatically have all our needs met. But how many of you know that that doesn't happen? Why? Listen to this carefully. Jesus Christ did not remove the curse or remove sin from the earth. It will remain on the earth until Jesus comes back and restores everything and Eden on earth. Revelations 22 verse 3 in the Amplified. Now when Christ comes back, then there will no longer exist anything that is cursed because sin and illness and death are gone. And as Christians, we need to understand that what Jesus Christ done did not automatically remove sin and the curse of sin. But what he done rather gave us the power over sin and the power over the curse. He gave us back the keys to dominate sin and not to be under sin's dominion. Romans 6 verse 14 in the New Living Translation. Sin is no longer your master, but rather we must master sin by God's power that he gave to us through his wonderful grace by means of the Holy Spirit. So just as Christians can become infected with illness and need to appropriate healing, hear me, Christians can become infected with demons through sin which opens the door. And then they need to appropriate freedom through deliverance. And it is the same with everything else. 
we receive by faith. Okay, so now how do we get to the nuts and the bolts of living our lives in love? We are now born again. Everything is brand new, a new life, as the scripture says. And yes, there is a great change in us, but yet we still have hang-ups, right? And still find it difficult to love our enemies, right? Is that only me? So obviously not everything has changed. Well, that's because we are born again in our spirit part. But our flesh part still needs to come in line with our spirit. You see, our spirit is transformed, but we need to now transform our thinking. Because our thinking or our mind is what controls every action. So how do we do that? Romans 12 verse 2 in the NIV. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way that you think. That's how we get transformed. Okay, so let's do a quick synopsis of where, of where we are at this point in time. We know that we need to love our neighbors and we are born again with the Spirit of Christ in us. And because of Him, we have the full spiritual capacity to live holy and to love. We prove that through the Scriptures. And we need to draw on this capacity now by renewing our mind and through faith. So we are all in the position. Now we need to renew our mind by faith. So how does faith come? Romans 10 verse 17 in the NIV. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word. So, as I have been bringing you the message, faith has been rising in your hearts. Bringing you from a loveless and potentially a hateful lifestyle by renewing your mind through the Holy Scriptures or the message and the Word of God, which has been cutting us deep and it has been exposing these issues and also renewing our minds through faith. You see, family, the Word of God is our template for life. When we read it, not only does it reveal to us how we should live and our mistakes, it gives us the power and the ability to live it. Because the Word of God is alive and it brings life if you obey it and do it. Hebrews 4 verse 12 in the New Living Translation. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. Hallelujah. So let's renew our minds together and let's see what the Word of God says on how we should love so that we have a template that we can follow by faith because we can only do it by faith. But first, we're going to look at our launching or our foundational scripture that's going to put everything into perspective and ready us for where we're going.
And that is 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14 in the New Living Translation. Christ's love in us controls us. Wow. Now that's a very interesting scripture. Because that word controls is the Greek word suneko. And this word means to, listen carefully, to arrest and hold prisoner. And I love this one. It means to, listen carefully, to press on every side of a cattle squeeze. You know those things that the cattle squeeze in? That pushing in on each side, forcing the beast into a position where it cannot move so that the farmer can administer medication. Wow, that's what that word means. And that is so perfectly put and an absolutely brilliant description of how the love of God and the template of that love must be applied in our lives. And even though we want to kick and run and fight against that love, like that wild beast being compressed into that narrow channel, we are restrained and pressed on every side and arrested by the word of God that will compel us to apply and even enforce love on the narrow and yes, the difficult road to eternal life. Not going to be easy. Matthew 5 verse 38 in the NIV. Okay, with that in mind, let's dive in. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, now this is Jesus, do not resist an evil person. Wow. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the left other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Wow. Now, what exactly is Jesus Christ asking us to do? Does he want us to just be victims and to be manhandled and abused and just put up with it all our lives? Is that what Jesus is asking us to do? No, not at all. The key to the scripture is where he says, do not resist an evil person. This is a person who is lost. This is exactly the person who Jesus wants to reach out to and save through us. And hear me, child of God, he is more interested in saving this lost child of his who is on their way to hell than your discomfort. We need to understand that we are as Christians the representatives of Christ. And people need to see and experience Christ in us. And many times we have to take some suffering so that we can set up the situation so that the Holy Spirit can minister to these people when they expect retaliation and we don't. That's when we set it up for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. Family, there will be multitudes, listen to me, 
multitudes of very ashamed Christians are going to hang their head very low one day who when facing Jesus Christ see the many situations where they were expected to bring in the lost by turning the other cheek or by not retaliating when we're being done harm by the lost who don't know any better or by going over and beyond what is expected. Why? To save them. But instead, we the Christians, Christ, got offended and we're more concerned about our own feelings or our own ego or our own pride or even our own natural possessions rather than the priceless soul who could burn in hell for all eternity. There is nothing you own, well everything comes from God, let me just point that out, but there's nothing you own or there's no amount of money in the world that equals the value of a soul, an evil person to Christ. And whatever you give up, like it says, if they want to sue you for your coat, give your tunic. Whatever you give up to save his lost children, Christ will make it up to you, no doubt. He will repay you in kind, that's what the word says. But as a Christian, if you offend the lost, you get offended. If you fight back with them, if you retaliate with them, if you sue them, or whatever that is that's not in love, you are working 100% for the devil, advancing his kingdom, and you are sealing their fate. And I feel very sorry for you when you face Jesus Christ one day when he entrusted you to save these people. So, now I go back to that question and I ask it again. Must we be victims of abuse? Absolutely not. And we can see this command to turn the other cheek. It's very strategic by Jesus to save the lost because Jesus will not tolerate that in the church whatsoever. Jesus will not tolerate any strife in the church. On the outside, we win the lost, we turn the cheek. But on the inside, in the church, if people who proclaim to be Christians bring division, arguments, strife, they are to be cast out and totally cut off so they can no longer do any harm. We never fight back. We always reframe out of strife, no matter what. But we have to remove the problem. Titus 3 verse 10 in the ESV. As for a person who stirs up division, let me get there, stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him. Family, you can get away with it as a non-believer, but as a Christian, you are to represent Christ and have a very high accountability. Now, let's end with a famous love scripture, which will be our template going forward. And we must always remember, the love of God must arrest us, must compel us, must hold us accountable, and prevent that wild beast in us of running amok and out of love. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4 in the ESV. Love is patient and kind. 
Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. Don't agree with all the wrong in the world, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Wow, that's our template. Now let's read this in the NRV to just get another interpretive perspective. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking or selfish. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It has no grudges. It holds nothing against people. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, never talks bad about people, protects them. Always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And in the Amplified, the scripture says that love always believes the best in every person. Family, even if their intentions may, be, may not be the best, but to maintain peace, that's what we have to do. We should just believe the best in them. We should always strive to be peacemakers as the word commands us to do. We should never become offended. Never, ever, family. And never be a catalyst for strife or fighting or arguing or offense. Never, ever. Stay far away from it. We've seen many demons that we've cast out of people that's come in through this. You've got to stay away from it. Instead, and we must never ever say anything that could inflame a situation. Rather, just bite your tongue and just let love and our accountability towards love restrain us to just shut up, keep us in check. And like that wild beast being restrained and getting that medication by the vet. We need to restrain ourselves and force ourselves into that uncomfortable, narrow channel, pressed on every side. And like that vet forces the medication down the throats of those beasts, we need to force our pills, our gospel, and medicate ourselves with the Word of God and just do what it says, family. And thereby overcome the temptation to get offended or Get out of love in any way. Family, as I conclude this, never forget this. Never forget this, child of God. As I've taught you, that every moment out of love, out of the measure of love, is in hate and in the realm of a murderer. Every moment out of love is out of faith. Because faith is work, only works and only energizes and only activated in faith. You're out of love, you're out of faith. Every moment out of love is out of God and out of His will, out of His protection, out of His provision, His guidance and everything else you would want from God. And every moment out of love is off the narrow, difficult path of eternal life. And...
is on the white path of destruction and eternal hell. Very important. Let love always compel us, family. Always arrest us. Always restrain us. Always press us in. And be the motive for everything we do, all for the glory of God. Praise Jesus Christ. Family, I hope this blessed you. I really, really do. And as promised, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if, you, if you're not born again, if, you, if you're still in the fallen state of Adam and Eve, you've never given your life properly to Jesus, and you are not spiritually born again, I want to give you that opportunity to be born again. John 3, when Nicodemus, who was the church, the most religious man of the time, done everything, he was a, probably an a archbishop or something in our time, and he came to Jesus and Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said, well, how do I do this? Do I crawl up my mother's womb to be born again? No, Jesus said, it's spiritual. Like Adam and Eve lost that spiritual life, we need to gain that back. Jesus said to him again, he said, assuredly, I tell you, unless you're born again, you will not enter or see heaven. Bottom line. So we need to be born again. And I want to give you that opportunity. God made it super easy. He said in Romans 10 verse 8 or 9. That if we declare Jesus is our Lord. If we make a decision and speak with our mouth. And declare Jesus you are my Lord. And believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ. That he died for our sins and rose again. We will be born again. That's like the first step in our journey with Christ because we still need to live that life. It's like an engagement. But we still have to move towards that marriage day. So family, if that's you, let's pray this together in faith. Close your eyes. Speak directly to God and say this. Say, Father God, today I make a decision to make Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. Jesus Christ, I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I declare with my mouth, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. I believe you are the Son of God. You died and rose again. And now I believe that I am born again because your word says it and you cannot lie. Thank you, Jesus. Praise Jesus if you've prayed that prayer. Hallelujah. Maybe just put a little comment in there just saying that uh, you've given your life to Jesus or whatever. And um, I look forward to ministering the word to you again. We're going to be back at church this coming weekend, 22nd. And I look forward to seeing you all there. That's it for me, Pastor Carl. Love you, family. See you soon. Take care and God bless.